0: How's everybody doing today? It's great to have you guys here. Thanks for joining us here at Church Unlimited. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. We are here celebrating also, of course, this Memorial Day weekend. Not only is it a three-day weekend, which is always, of course, nice, but also it's a day actually where we stop as a nation and just thank God for those who have given their lives for our freedom. You know, freedom is far from free. You guys know that. It's incredibly expensive, and there's men and women who've gone before us, who've spilt their blood for our behalf, on our behalf, for our freedom. We're so grateful for that. In fact, I'm going to ask right now at all of our campuses, if you have a loved one who gave their life for this country, anywhere in your family line, would you stand so we can honor the sacrifice you have made as well? (laughs) Let's give these people a hand. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very grateful. Very grateful. I know people were standing at all of our churches, and so thank you again. We appreciate that. I do want to say hello to all of our churches. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys. We love you. <laughs> grateful for you guys as well. Our God Behind Bars ministry is expanding, by the way. We're adding another prison, so we're going to have another church inside a prison. I think it's such a cool concept that God can go behind bars and do a great work in people's lives, and so we're excited to be a part of that as well. So good things are happening with that. Pull out your notes if you would today. We're talking about Undivided attention in an ADD world. Now, I can speak with incredible expertise on ADD. And so, uh, pull out your notes if you would. I, I know all about that because I am definitely attention deficit. Just ask my wife anytime you'd like. She can tell you the conversations we've had where she's been like, Bill. And I'm like, What? What? I'm sorry, what? You know, that kind of thing. So, she knows all too well that I have, definitely have ADD. But uh, I was never diagnosed. But if you saw my grades, you'd know clearly I should have been. And so, uh, But I want to talk about this because I think that we've become fractured in our society with all the attention grabbing things we have around us. It used to just be driving down the road with billboards. Now we've got digital billboards in front of us at all times with our phones, with our laptops, or MacBooks, or our iPads, or, you know, I mean, it's just this nonstop barrage of information coming at us. And it used to be that we were in an information age. I think that's now shifted. If we're a little more honest with ourselves, we've now gone to an entertainment age. Towards just like everything is down to entertainment. Even the information we get is really more about entertainment for us at this point. And so I think that's really fractured our mindset. So I want to talk today about how to get some undivided attention because we do live in a distracted world. Look at Psalms 86, 11. It says this, teach me your way, Lord, give me an undivided heart. Would you underline the word undivided there? Undivided heart, if you're going to have an undivided heart, you first have to have undivided attention. So how can you have an undivided heart towards the Lord if you're always fractured with your attention? So I want to give you three simple principles today, how you can have a better focus in your life. And so, and the very first point we're going to make is going to really answer the whole technology question. This is a question everyone has, like, how do I, how do I take control of my technology? remember when email was created because it was supposed to save us time? Remember that? It was actually supposed to save you time. I wish I could go back to the old mail now, because I've spent far less time on old mail then I do new mail, right? I mean, email takes, you know, they say the American worker, the American knowledge worker on average spends one third of their day answering emails. How did that save us time? I mean, it's consumed more of our time is what it's actually done. So just because we're in better connection with people around the world does not mean that we're actually really more connected to them either. And so you figure that out yet? You can actually have a lot of friends on Facebook and therefore have no friends in real life. And so God has a better way for us. So three quick principles. Look, let's look at Habakkuk chapter 2. Turn to Habakkuk chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, you can use the table of contents. It's okay. That's a hard one to find, I admit. I'm sure you guys are reading Habakkuk all week. You know, it's such a normal book to read. But Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk was a prophet of God, and he was basically acknowledging to God, God, things are not going well with Israel. Israel equals church. Keep that in mind, that's that's us, the Christians, right? And so Israel in the Bible and the Old Testament represents just the people of God. And so he was saying, the people of God are not doing good, God. Would you speak to us? Would you give me clarity of what I'm supposed to do about this as a leader, as a prophet for for Israel? What should I do, God? And this is what it says. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. It says, I will climb my watchtower now and wait to see what answer God will give to my complaint. So he had a complaint. He was like, things are not going well, God, when you turn things around. And oftentimes when God speaks to you, the, the clearest about the vision he has for you, the next step for you, is when things are not going well. The good part about your bad part is it caused you to seek the Lord. And so basically he goes to God with this complaint. Lord, things are not going well. What should I do? But notice this. He says, I will climb my watchtower now. Now let me tell you why i want to bring it up. A watchtower is not something we think about. I mean, in today's world, we don't, there's, really, there's few places that have watchtowers left. But if you go to the border of most countries, somewhere along their border is a watchtower. We have them at our borders. They have them, of course, we think about the most obvious watchtower, the Great Wall of China, right? I mean, that's clearly there's this huge wall with watchtowers all along it, right? And so, but there's actually a lot of borders like that. And so the job of the watchman is to be up on top of the watchtower. Oftentimes they're weaponized. So that if they see an enemy coming at them, they can do something about it. And so they have the ability to look back at their nation and see how things are going. To look out at the possible risks and see where they are as well. And they also have a lot of alone time. Because they're up there alone. Typically in the middle of the night, everyone's already asleep. And they've got all this time. And if they're a believer, they've got lots of time to spend with God. So how do you take care of all that technology that keeps interrupting you constantly? It's it's just, we got to become watchmen. Here's what that means. We have to have some time in our life that we shut everything down. So, let me ask you, do you think Facebook's just going to go away? It's not going away. Do you think, do you think social media's just going to all go away? No. Do you think emails are just going to ever go away? I mean, there's no way. You, in a modern world, you cannot function to work, and even in your private life, without having email now. It's just not going to happen. So this is not a sermon saying, let's all become Amish and do away with all of our phones, and let's do away with all technology. That's just not reality. But what is reality is you can use technology on your side rather than against yourself. And so what I've learned to do is turn things off. In fact, when I say turn things off, let me just tell you one of the most powerful things you can ever do. If you've got, you know, whether it's a a MacBook or a laptop of some sort, or whether you have, you know, an an iPad or whatever, here's a great feature, thank God, that they all still have. I just click over in the right top corner of my MacBook and turn off the Wi-Fi. It's incredible. You're like, what would I do if I turned off the Wi-Fi? Here's what's crazy. Then you'd actually use your computer like it's a computer, rather than just a connection device, right? Then you realize, oh, wow, there's a Word document on here. I can actually write something. I can actually prepare stuff. I can actually get stuff done. In other words, if you shut off the world, you can focus better. But more importantly than just that, if you shut off the world like the watchman does, he can hear from God. So the prophet of Israel says, like a good watchman, I'm going to get up high in the air, away from everyone, and I want to hear from you, God. And the watchman can see the difficulties in front of him, but he can also see the current state of affairs in his nation at the same time. So you have to take a current look at where you are, where you are with the Lord, take a current look at your current difficulties, and then look up to God and say, God, can you help me now? Can you show me what I should do? What does this mean for us? Number one, would you write this down? Expect to hear from God. Expect to hear from God. First 1 Kings 19.12 gives us more insight into this. It says, after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper, and a voice said, Elijah? So God was speaking to Elijah. And basically, in the Scripture, we know that, that, that God wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. Now, earthquake and fire, earthquakes are really loud, and they shake you, right? I mean, it get your attention. So God's not in the attention getting. And in the fire, that's an emergency, right? Got to do something about it right now. He's not in the urgent either. God's in the whisper. And so we have to get... Quiet enough to hear from God. He has so much he wants to tell you, but you've got to get quiet to listen to the Lord. And when you're seeking God, by the way, for his will, for his direction, for your next step in your life, part of that is also uh, uh, something God wired you up with. Wouldn't it be cool if God was so smart that when he made you, he pre-wired you with certain desires that he wanted you to have? Because some people say, well, but you're talking about seeking the Lord and getting His will and finding His direction. But, but what if I just want my direction instead of God's direction? Who said they were mutually exclusive? What if God was so smart in His infinite wisdom that He pre-wired you to want certain things so that you would begin to seek after the very things He wants for you? This is the only thing I can explain why when I was 13 years old, sitting at a camp meeting in the back row, probably not paying much attention, As I was sitting there, suddenly I had this moment, the preacher speaking, and I thought, man, this guy seems so cool, and his words are so powerful, and it was moving the whole place, and God's Spirit was across the whole place. And as a 13-year-old, this is all the clarity I knew. I looked up at him, looked around at the people's lives being changed, and said, I want to be like that guy. I didn't have any other explanation. I didn't know what the next step was, but I just knew something in my spirit leaped, and I knew I'm supposed to do that. I didn't know that would be being a pastor one day. I didn't know any of that yet, but I just knew that was a moment of clarity for me. And so God will cause something to leap in your spirit. Something will jump out at you. Expect to hear from God. God wants to talk to you. He really does have great things to tell you, but you need to understand this too. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. So he's already wired you for certain things to desire. And so I, I, I became a pastor not just because I liked to preach. I was called to preach, but it was not one or the other. It was both. And so I, I really believe God wants you, believe it or not, this is going to shock you. I know we have a lot of students here right now if they're in graduation weekend. This may shock you, but God actually wants you to enjoy your life. He actually wants you to like what you do. And so he's pre-wired you with certain desires, and he wants you to do those in your life. Now, some of you right now are like, sweet, I can play, you know, Xbox for a living. No, I'm sorry, that's not probably going to work out. I'm going to tell you that now. But the truth is, is that God does put desires in you, and there are career paths that match those desires. And so it's, listen, life is too long to do something every day you don't like. God's wired you to do something. And so expect to hear from God, but also listen internally to what God already put in you, and God will speak to you. Look what it says next in verse 2. And the Lord said to me, ah, there it is. God God did speak to him, right? He expected to hear from God. He got alone time with God. He blocked off time with God. Did you notice that? A watchman goes up a wall for a certain amount of time. It's a blocked off time, just him and the Lord. Great time with God at that point. This is the answer to technology, Block off your time, turn off the Wi-Fi, disconnect, put your phone across the room for at least an hour with the Bible open and spend time with God and God will speak to you. The key is blocked off time. That's how you get more time with God. Look at what happens next. And the Lord said to me, write my answer on a billboard, large and clear, so that anyone can read it at a glance and rush to tell others. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass, but be, just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. God is seldom early, but never late. And so God will come through with the vision He has given you. So, number two, I wanna challenge you to big board the vision God gives you and keep it in front of you at all times. But well, I want to challenge you to big board. Here's how you handle attention deficit disorder. In other words, here's how, you, here's how you keep from fracturing your attention onto all these other things. you got to keep what God tells you in front of you. But first, God's got to tell you something. So you got to be listening to the Lord. So we have to learn to big board things. So I'm going to go ahead and use our big board here to big board something right now that God's been putting on my heart for quite some time. And so let me just show you how this, this actually works. So the the watchman climbs the uh, the tower. Wow, you guys look really small now. You know what's really cool about when you get high with God? Now, don't confuse get high as in get high. When you get elevated with God, better word, right? So last week I said get plowed, now I said get high. I mean, this is a bad theme we got going on here. This is not good, so... But when you become elevated in the presence of God, when you get with the Lord and you're seeking him, it takes you to a higher plane. Here's what's great about when you're in a high place with God, is that if you have an enemy down below, they seem much smaller. We got to get the right perspective, don't we? We way over inflate issues we have with people. God is so much bigger than your problem or your problem person. He really, really, isn't that good news to know that? He's much bigger. So this is what the Lord really put in my heart, so I'm going to reach over here, hopefully not kill myself, but Acts 20, 20. Let me see if I can do this. So God really began to put in my heart Acts 20, 20. In fact, actually, He put in my heart to reach 2,000 people as a pastor and as a church in the next year. It's very, very doable. It's something we can do but oftentimes we think, oh, man, we really can't make much of a difference. But we're a large church, and the point of being a large church is not to be large. The point of being a large church is to be effective, to make a difference. And so collectively, I believe God's called us. Last time I checked our mission statement is to do what? Oh, look at You guys got this. Very nice. And if our job is to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period, if that's our job, then why don't we just say in the next year, if we were going to die at the end of this year, which hopefully we won't, but if we do, that we can just do a reasonable portion of that vision statement, which I believe is 2,000 people. I think we can do that. We can reach 2,000 people. As a church of 10,000, that's a very reasonable thing. It's very, very doable for us to do that. So how do we accomplish that vision? Now we have the big board up. We've got the vision in front of us. Acts 20.20 actually says this. i got the verse with me here. It says, I did not shrink from doing anything helpful, proclaiming the message, that means the vision, to you, and teaching you publicly and from house. To house when God gave me the vision of 2000, as I was writing this on the board just a few days ago, preparing for this whole message, as I wrote it on the board, God's spirit just leaped inside me. And when I wrote 2000, I was like, No, it's not 2000, it's 2020, which is an Acts 2020 vision. If you've got clear vision, you've got 2020 eyesight, right? How do we reach 2000 people? It's real simple. You, Paul says here, He taught what publicly, which is in, in the temple, another translation says temple, and from house to house. So we need to grow the campuses, grow the churches, and also feed those new believers into small groups, house to house. It's not one or the other, it's both. That's how we do it. So the question then comes, let's just reach 2,000 people, right? It's not that hard, right? We just all bring someone, right? Here's the problem with that. Mother's Day, I actually had the weekend off from preaching because we had Lisa Bevere sharing a powerful message on video. Was that not amazing, by the way? Didn't Lisa Bevere do phenomenal? I mean, wow, what a message. Love that. But in that powerful message, I got an opportunity to walk around the campus where I'm at and as I did that, I saw great people serving everywhere. The problem wasn't that we didn't have great people serving everywhere. The problem was they were all at capacity. Every room, we had it covered, but it was at capacity. And so it was like, if we had 2,000 people show up new, we don't have room for them. Where are we going to put their kids? Who's going to watch their babies? Who's going to take care of their children? Who's going to teach their children Jesus? If, if all the children are in here, we're not going to learn, Right? And so if we're going to reach 2,000 more people, let's break this down, then that means we need to actually big board this number. We've already did the math. We need 700 volunteers or we will not get to 2,000 more people because we won't be able to support it. So guess what we're going to do? For the next 12 weeks straight, we're going to focus on one goal and one goal only. Let's reach 700 more people and get them involved serving. So our only goal for the whole summer is to add 700 new volunteers. You say, well, that's a big number. No, it's actually just one, you. That's it. It's just you. Go ahead and turn to six right now and say, he's talking to you. Just let him know right now. Just, just let him know he's talking to you. Clearly, he's talking to you. So, yes, it's true. You want to get your goals accomplished? Big board them. Keep them big and keep in front of you. So this board's not going down for 12 weeks because we're going to keep a tally. So next week, this board torn, turns into a scoreboard. And we'll just let you know each week how many people signed up until we hit 700. You know why I know we're going to keep it? We're going to accomplish it because we're going to keep it in front of us. Whatever you keep in front of you, you accomplish. If you don't keep it in front of you, you won't accomplish it. And so that's the key. The key to focus is whatever you put in front of you regularly. Let me ask you something. What are you putting in front of you regularly on the screen, in in your home? What are you putting regularly in front of you? Uh, What are you listening to regularly on your beats? Whatever you're listening to, whatever you're watching regularly, you'll become that. That's a scary thought for some of us. So what are you keeping in front of you? Keep the goal in front of you. Number two, big board the vision God gives you, and keep it in front of you at all times times. By the way, another little key on this I just want to mention is that when I looked at Scripture, whenever they assigned people to work in the temple, they did it by two ways. They did it by families, and it was always the men. It was the fathers who led their whole family to serve together. Did you know that? And it was also by groups. And so it was by their life groups or their small groups. And so I want to challenge you. You know, we could knock this out really fast if all the men at all of our churches just said, you know what? As Joshua said, as for me and my family, we'll serve the Lord. We're going to all sign up as a family to do this. But typically what do men do? We take the passive seat and say, oh, honey, you go work in the children's area as the family representative, which is a bunch of crap. No, you sign up too, dude. (laughs) Give me a break. Man up, bro. You need to sign up also. I don't know if you can say crap in church. I think I just did. I don't know. (laughs) I want to challenge you to sign up. Maybe, maybe you go back to your, your life group and say, hey, guys, let's all sign up together. Let's all serve at the 10 o'clock together. Let's all serve at the 1130 together. Let's all serve on Saturday nights. Whatever service uh, you, you go to, just say, let's all do this together. Let's all, as a whole uh, life group, go serve in the youth area. Let's all, as a life group, go serve in the parking lot. Whatever it is that you guys agree to, I want to challenge you to do that. Big board it. Keep it in front of you and commit to it. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision. Another translation says, Revelation the people are unrestrained. Unrestrained means you know what? You know why you've got time to be on Facebook for an hour? You know why you have time to watch TV for 3 to 4 hours? You're the average American watches 4 hours of TV a day. Do you know why we have time to do that? We don't have goals in front of us. If you've got goals in front of in front of you, you don't have time to do that. You're too busy. And so we have got to Stay focused on the goal and keep it in front of us. Also, you notice that we put a 12-week commitment on this because research now tells us that shorter campaigns of time, focuses of time, accomplish more more things than you'll ever do over a long period of time. If I am a professor and I give you a book report and it's due in three months, when are you going to start it? Don't lie. Three days before, right? And those are the good students. If you're me, it's the night before, right? Right? Yeah, so the reality is that I- instead of doing that, let's just shorten the time frame and quit thinking annually. Annualized thinking stretches your goals out longer than you need. You can accomplish much more if you shorten your 12, week, your, your 12 months into 12 weeks. It's a powerful book, too, by the way, called 12 Week Year. I encourage you to get it. But really, I realized that's actually biblical because God actually put things in 40 days. That's only six weeks. And they accomplished amazing things in shorter bursts, so I want to challenge you to consider looking at a shorter burst. You can accomplish way more than you think you can. So a couple things on goals, by the way. I want to encourage you to write down something. In fact, right now on your notes, I want to challenge you to big board something right now. Just on your notes, I want to just write something big that's a goal that you want to accomplish in the next 12 weeks. Would you do that right now across all of our churches? Just write one thing down you'd really like to see happen in the next 12 weeks in your life. You may say, I've got five or six goals. Too many. Do one. Do one for the next 12 weeks. and so you can get to the other four after that. But let's do one. Because by having five or six goals, you have no goals. If you have one, then you know clearly whether you're doing well or not. Make sense? So just get that one big thing down, big board. In fact, I want to challenge everyone. We're going to use our social media in a good way this next week. I want to challenge you to create a big board in your home. Maybe it's a poster board. You know, some kind of board that that you put up and write real big what your goal is on it. And by the way, make your goal measurable, Right? Because if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So make it measurable. I want to get in good shape. Can't measure that. I want to lose 20 pounds. I can measure that. Well, the things I want, Pastor, are not measurable. I want a great marriage. I totally disagree. It's very measurable. How about for the next 12 weeks, you go on 12 dates with your spouse? That's very manageable, isn't it? You can measure that. You're like, okay, that's, that's pretty doable. Or how about, you know what, give yourself a little grace, 10 out of the next 12. It's very doable, right? You know? I mean, some of you get a little more basic now, like sometime the next 12 weeks I'm going to shower. That would really help your marriage. So whatever. <laughs> the point is, get a clear goal, right? Keep it in front of you. It's a game changer. I want to improve my relationship with my mom and dad, okay? Then let's spend time together that we're not arguing, right? You know, I spent an hour and a half with my kids just the other day. No, I'm not talking about watching a movie. I'm talking about TVs off, having dinner. This is, this is what's so great about having dinner with your family is if you actually put all the phones up, and you don't have a TV on, you can actually talk and get to know one another and ask how you're doing, right? Or as Lisa Bevere just talked the other day, ask your kids, what's your high and your low for the day? What a great principle. Wasn't that powerful? What was your high? What was your low today? And just get some talking, right? So I want to challenge you to big board it. Even if you think the thing that you want, the thing that your goal is is not measurable, I promise you, whatever you think isn't measurable is measurable. I want to be close to God. You can absolutely measure that. How much time do you spend in prayer a day? Oh, like a minute or two. Okay, then improve that to five minutes. Then work on 10 minutes. 10 minutes? I'll be Billy Graham. Exactly. (laughs) Just increasing that time is a game changer, right? So big board it. That's a big deal to do just that. And then also, when you, when, you, uh, when you make that big board in your home, I want you to take a picture of it and post that on Instagram. And then put below it, I won't be posting as much because I got a big goal in front of me, right? You know, put that on Twitter, put that on Facebook, right? And then hashtag it, we are church unlimited, and also hashtag big board. And we'll know what you're talking about. I want to challenge you guys to do that this week. Please do that. We're going to be looking for that on social media all week long to see who's actually doing that. Third thing we need to do. Acts chapter, uh, excuse me, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 says this. Then the Lord answered me and said, record the vision and inscribe it on tablets. Maybe that's a Microsoft tablet. I don't know. But inscribe it on tablets means big rock, something big. Write it on a billboard or a big board, which is what other translations say. It says, why are you doing that? So that the one who reads it may what? Run. God wants you and I, number three, to get running. He wants us to get moving. God wants all of us to get running. If we're going to run, we got to be prepared for the run. So if I'm going to run, I'm going to change my shoes real quick because those aren't going to work for a run. And so the reality is, is that getting running is important, but you got to get ready to run. So our church in the fall, we believe we're going to get running and reach a whole lot of lost people. But to do that, we would put our running shoes on. You know what we're doing? We're getting volunteers. Why? That's putting your running shoes on. That's preparing for the run. Otherwise, if I say, I'm going to go running, and then I just start running in my boots, that's not going to last long, is it? And you'd be like, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt your ankles. You know, those boots look nice walking, but not running. And so you've got to be prepared for what you're trying to accomplish. So if you want to get running, you've got to get the right gear on. And so if we want to get running as a church to reach more people, then we need to prepare for it, by getting the volunteers, right? And so sometimes you have to stop before you start the goal and just prepare for it. I want to start a diet today. Why don't you start it tomorrow or the next day and take the next day and a half to two days to go empty your fridge of the wrong food, get the right food in there, pick out the right diet online you're going to actually follow, get an accountability partner, get ready to run. Does that make sense? And then when you hit it, you can actually succeed because you're going in the right direction and you're prepared for it. So get running. Also, getting running means that we need to get moving. We just need to speed up in our lives. One of the dangers of social media and other technology and lots of entertainment is that it just slows you down. There's nothing wrong with having a little time off and enjoying a good movie or something. But my point is, is that if you're watching the movie every night and if you're binge watching every single show, what are you doing with your life? There's more to life than that. And so, rather than watching everyone else live fake lives, why don't we actually live a real life? Can I tell you something? Most of us are too busy recording our lives to live our lives. It's time for us to begin to live the dreams God has placed on our hearts. It's time for us to get running. You know, I wish it, that when I went running, I, I want to believe that when I go jogging, when I, when I go running on the side of the street, I want to believe that people like drive by and go, oh, check out that athlete. But what they probably do is they go, oh, good for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a big difference, isn't there? Like, we all want to believe they're like, check out that athlete. But that's not what they're saying. They're like, oh, look at the Pai G guy. He's trying to do something. That's good. That's what's actually happening. It's very painful, but it's true. But the reality is God wants us to get moving. He wants us to get running. So here's a couple things we can get running from. First of all, we need to run from something. So right now, let's just be honest with a pen in your hand. Would you please write down some things you may need to run from? Maybe a bad habit, right? Maybe the wrong relationship, you need to get out of that relationship because it's costing you time, wasting your time, wasting their time. If you already know that you shouldn't be with that person, why are you spending another day with them? Well, but we've been together a long time. So length of mistake means it's not a mistake now? That doesn't correct it. And so every day that you stay with someone you know you shouldn't be with, you are literally lying to them, and you're wasting their time and yours. And so I am very proud of the fact that I have broken up thousands of couples across South Texas over the last two decades. But I've helped you avoid and avert a nightmare, and I love that. That's a good thing, actually. So nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you got to break up with Mr. and Mrs. Wrong so God can bring you Mr. and Mrs. Right. Maybe you need to run from a habit or an addiction or a struggle of some sort. And so maybe you need to run from a relationship, just a friendship that's really just bringing you down, that you just got to avoid, right? So what are you running from? Please write that down. Then what are you running to? This should be your goal. This should be your dream. This for us is the 700 as a church, but also I have some personal goals, and I have one particular goal for the next 12 weeks. For me, it's a physical goal I have, some things I want to accomplish. You know, maybe for you it's physical, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's relational, maybe for you it's spiritual, and you're like, you know, for the next 12 weeks I just want to spend four days, I want to have 20 minutes with God, uh, four times a week. Over the next twelve weeks, that would be a game changer. If you never spend time with God, that's a game changer. You know, maybe you just need to increase it and say, "Lord, I don't want to just pray before meals. I want to pray, you know, when I'm just with You and just I want to maybe for you. Maybe you have a, a backyard. Walk your backyard and pray. It could be as simple as that. I don't know what it is, but I want to challenge you to run to something specific. Scripture says in Proverbs eighteen ten, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and are safe. Basically, that's when you're running from an enemy, right? Run to the Lord. That's running from something. And then Hebrews 12.1 says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. You no, know, it says throw off everything that hinders. Did you know that the original Olympian runners, this is true? You can look this up, Google it if you'd like. The original Olympic runners, they didn't just shed down to minimum clothing like we do today, they ran naked. I'm dead serious. How crazy is that? They ran totally naked so that no clothing, no item they're carrying would hold them back from being as fast as they possibly could. They literally ran naked. I don't know about you, but if I was an Olympic runner back then, that would have been very motivating for me to be in the first place, to be in front of everyone. But the reality is this. Sorry for the visual. I I apologize. God wants us to let go of some things. God may be saying to you, where you want to go, what you're holding on to can't go. It says in the very part, first part of the verse, since we were surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. You know what that's referring to? That's referring to people who have gone before us. I mean, we're talking about the people who gone before us. There are people that have spilt their blood for our country. And if they could stand here today, they'd say, yeah, I gave my life. You know, I gave my life, uh, you know, uh, um, on the beach at Normandy for your freedom. So what have you done now that you've been in America since? I paid my price for you to have that freedom in America. What have you done with it? Ouch. Right? How about this one? King David one day, it was going to be King David hour in heaven, you know, and we're going to talk about what he did, and we'll be gathered around, and he'll be like, yeah, so then, you know, I was just a kid, and I was just watching sheep, my dad packs up this food, says, take it to your brother, so I do that, and, you know, but the Lord had already anointed me to be a king, I didn't know how it was going to work, and so I get there, my brothers are in the army, and none of them are fighting this guy named Goliath, they're all hiding behind the bushes, and just something leaps in my spirit and says, that's my fight, I knew I was supposed to do it, I was scared to death, but I knew, you know, I got a couple of rocks with me, I got my sling, I can do this, wow. And then David says, yeah, that's what, that's what God led me to do. And It was crazy. And then I, after that, you know, I became king over time, and I consolidated Israel. And, you know, I messed up too. Clearly, I lots of examples of that, but I wanted to honor God. Then I, I raised a lot of funds, and I gave all that money to my son, so then he could take that money and build the temple of God. That's what I do with my life. What would you do with yours? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you should see it. I've got like 1,500 followers on Instagram. <laughs> wow, that's great. Okay, Moses, how about you? Well, you know, I mean, I was an older guy, and I'd messed up my life, and I ran away from home because, you know, I was a convicted murderer, and I was scared to go back, and God really got a hold of my life, and, you know, God provided me with a, a real spiritual walk with him, and through my father-in-law, and I met this amazing girl, of course, because of that, and so I fell in love. We got married, had kids, and then God called me older in life to go back and to serve him, and then to set the people free, and so God used me and my mouthpiece through a series of events to where, basically, we we, we set the people of Israel free, and then we went and got stuck at the Red Sea and God part of the Red Sea. And after that, you know, I I eventually climbed up a mountain and God codified the law of God, gave it to me, and I brought it down to the people. And we turned Israel into a a small family, into an army, and eventually to a great nation. What'd you do? Oh, uh, well, you should see these really funny cat videos I watch on YouTube all the time. (laughs) How are we spending our life? How are you spending the one life you get? You get one. Live it well. Don't be distracted. Get focused. There's nothing wrong with you. You just need some more focus. Isn't that good to know know that? There's nothing wrong with us. We just need some focus. That's it. Would you bow your heads with me? As we bow our heads across all of our campuses right now during this prayer time, I believe God is speaking to us very clearly that he has something to tell us, to guide us, to lead us into his vision, into his goals that he has for our lives. Big board those goals in the course of the end, but get running, get moving in that direction. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if God is speaking to you, if he's giving you, if he's imparting a vision, a plan for you to do, as he does that, just write that down. Just big board it this week and get started. Maybe you say, well, I don't know all the plans for my life. It's okay. You just need to know one goal for the next 12 weeks. God will show you what's next after that. You don't have to know it all. You should know one thing God's been speaking to you about. Do that one thing, and then God will open the next door for you. As God speaks to you, if he tells you and leads you to do, that, do some one thing that he's put in your heart, would you just commit to the Lord that one thing by lifting your hand high to God today and say, okay, Lord, I know what you're telling me to do in the next 12 weeks. Anyone in here? that God's speaking to you, telling you clearly what to do over the next 12 weeks, that would change everything for you. Come on, I know there's more than that. Who else? Who else God's speaking to you right now, giving you that one thing that would change everything? Wow, there's hands going up all across all of our campuses right now. Thank you. Thank you. You're telling God, yes. You're saying, yes, God, I'll do that. I'll obey you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed during this prayer time, you need to know that the one thing that Jesus did for us that changed everything, he did a lot for us, but the one thing he did that change everything was he gave his life for us his ambition his goal his big board item was to die for you and me he gave his life jesus died on the cross and he rose again from the grave proving that he's god now he waits for you and me to individually receive him you can pray and receive christ right now whatever church you're at right now maybe you're watching online or on television you can just pray this prayer with us we're going to pray it out loud together just to lead you in this prayer Pray this prayer with us right now, and you can receive Jesus Christ as your